It's in the margins. I'm Matt Fisk here with Josh Lund and our guest, Jackson Gear, who is our campus ministry intern in the Northern Virginia Church of Christ. Welcome, Jackson. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh. It's been great, even in quarantine, that we've been able to continue to run through the Book of Mark, and we are we are chugging along. And uh, today we're we're getting into another familiar story. We, we're like on the familiar ones. We we did a uh, we did feeding the five thousand last week. Now we're gonna do walking on the water, which is always a cool one. I, I always like that one, and when I learned that in Sunday school, it's kind of a cool little thing. Yeah. So. So uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right in. Uh, I'm going to start off in verse 45. I'll read it and then we'll go ahead and talk about it. Okay. Starting in verse 45. Immediately, and this is right after the feeding of the 5,000, so just context. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had take, taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out to sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against him and them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke, the, spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Can we just finish chapter 6? Sure, yeah, we can keep going. Verse 53, When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. Oh yeah, mooring. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Awesome. Cool. Amen. Well, uh, I think you mentioned this already, Matt. It's uh, definitely one that we're super familiar with. And uh, I know we, we had talked a lot about earlier the whole idea of walking on water. But, um, you know, I, I, I love and we'll get into this in a second how the second part of that ties in, uh, I think, pretty well and exposing some some pretty cool things. But the first thing that I noticed, like like when you guys think of Jesus walking on water, what's like the the second thing that you think of? I always think of Peter. Yeah. It, it's so it's so funny that he's not mentioned in this one. Yeah. So it makes me think that Mark is trying to expose maybe something a little different than uh, the other hmm. the other authors who wrote about this. Um, it you is know what that is, I, hopefully we'll figure it out. But yeah, got yeah. a nice, cool, special focus here. Yeah, you got to wonder what's going on there because apparently, as tradition goes, Mark wrote this in Rome and it was kind of like the memoirs of Peter. Whether or not that's true, we don't know. Um, but it would be like weird for that to... For that to be left out, you know, I don't. Maybe, uh, maybe Peter's just super humble. I mean, yeah, like you know, <laughs> I don't have to talk about me. <laughs> yeah, like he does not come across super well in this gospel. No, <laughs> he is not. That's there's true. nothing impressive going on here. 
That's yeah. true. Good point, though. Yep. Mm. Well, I, I think, think we've... Uh, oh, go, go for it, Jackson. Oh, okay. Well, I just think one of the things that sticks out to me that I'm not sure is in any other translation is is, is that he meant to pass by them. Um, so when I look at that, that makes me wonder, like, and that might be a little bit more of an indicator as to why, like, they didn't include the part about Peter coming out because they were showing this point that Jesus, he didn't even intend to make this a miracle or make this something that he would show. He, he just meant to get to the other side quicker, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, the thing that, that sticks out to me about that, because I, I think when I read that, I, that's that's totally what I see is like Jesus is trying to kind of avoid them. Um, <laughs> but if you if if we look at the whole prompting of Jesus going out on the water, it's what it's that he saw them painfully making headway. Yeah. And so there's this sort of compassion that drives Jesus. But it's like, hey, guys, like, you know, I'm here. I'm coming out to you, but I'm not going to stop unless you actually cry out to me. Mm. Um you know, there's this there's this compassion that he has when he sees them out there, kind of like he had on the crowd before he sees them yeah. and he chooses to do something about it. Um, but uh, but but yeah, I, I do think that's an interesting point. That, that that is a cool thing because even even making his disciples get into the boat after all this happened, that that seems to be motivated by compassion too. Like you guys went away, like we we're trying to withdraw and get a break, and we had compassion on the five thousand. And that, that took a lot out of everybody. So now you guys go and I'll dismiss the crowd. And that, that seems to be compassion too. So that's kind of yeah. cool. Right. Yeah. It is cool. I think, you know, if you take some time to look at all the ties between the crowds and the disciples in the boat, it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because the disciples wanted to send the crowds away, but Jesus ends up sending the disciples away. And uh, Jesus says, "Hey, well, let's let's actually do something to to help them rather than just and and, and that's what Jesus says. Like you guys leave, while well, I take care of the crowds. And there's this sacrificial kind of uh, rest that's being given, um, but then also just that compassion uh, that's there. I mean, it's I think it's it's pretty cool that it's not just the crowds, but Jesus takes care of his, you know, the people who serve as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there's something really cool there because I think in my mind. The idea of, or the con- my concept of Jesus is a guy that that's like he's going Mach five with his hair on fire. He never stops l- losing compassion. He never stops preaching the word and the, and everything. But but here it's he's dismissing the crowd, sends his disciples away. It's almost like this is one of Jesus's introverted moments, where that mm. like, showing that much compassion and giving that much actually takes something out of him. That he's like, I'm gonna be by myself right now. So, which is kind of cool because the, the the stereotypical, you know, real disciple in my mind is super extroverted. And that makes me feel really guilty about not being super extroverted. But here we yeah. have Jesus going, I'm going to go up on a mountain to pray. I'm going to be with God. Cause, right. Yeah. I actually, I, I think that this, um, it's really cool that you mentioned that because it almost seems like, and this is just one way to read it, that Jesus almost had gotten like a little frustrated at his disciples earlier when he told them to, no, you feed them. And they were like, what are we going to do? Go get like worth of food. And it, and for some reason he waits till the fourth watch of the night, which is like between three and 6 AM. So, and it says that he intended to walk by them. So I see this and I see Jesus had every intention of just, 
being away from the disciples for a while and like trying to just get past them and not be around them. But that idea of self-denial, you know, what he calls people to be his disciples, you have to deny yourself. Jesus also seems to do that. Like he didn't want to be around his disciples right now, but when he heard them crying out, he goes, all right, they need my help. They need, um, I don't know, my security. So he goes back and calms them down. The one thing that um, I think it seems that Mark tries to draw on the most in this passage is kind of that verse, the, the, the last verse of that uh, kind of pericope about the, the, the walk on water in verse 52. It says, for they did not understand about the loaves, mm. but their hearts were hardened. And I keep reading that and I keep like, what about the loaves? Like, what about the loaves was supposed to help them in this situation? And I think there's two things, right? I think there's one, just straight up, if you see a miracle like that, first of all, to our un, like our un-Jewish eyes, we're going to be like, whoa, like right, yeah. this guy is, is sweet. But two, I mean, if you're a Jew, you know all the times that God fed his people, especially in the wilderness. Like this, this is a, and not only that, but when Jesus shows up, he says, take heart, it is I you know, that, that translation is straight up, take heart, I am. Mm. Uh, you know, and again, it's on the water, everything calms down. Um, another clear connection to, man, this is, this guy is, is God. This guy is, is, is um, divine in a sense. But I think the other part is kind of what Matt, you were, you were hitting on is that if you think about the loaves and what they pointed out about Jesus, it's, it's his compassion. Like if you remember the compassion of Jesus, you're not going to sit there and freak out. You know what I mean? Like you're going to remember, wait a minute, like this guy saved them. This guy will save us. Like how, how can we forget about the loaves that we just saw? You know, are we really going to forget that this is a guy that wants to help and uh, even at his own expense? Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot there. Yeah. But I, I, I just love that trying to figure that out. And I think it's a great point. I don't think I would have noticed that if you hadn't pointed that out, but there's something about that. And the other thing is, so this is the second time, I think, right? The second time in this book that, that Jesus shows his dominion over the sea, right? Yeah. Like the last time he yeah. just calmed it, calmed it down. So it's like, it's an escalating thing. He's like, I'm showing yeah. you my power incrementally. Like as we see continually this, this mighty one, this, um, the King, like you've never seen before. Um, but but Josh, when you said, so I, you know, I am, so just in case, you know, people aren't picking up on that, the the name of God is I am right. And that's Yahweh in in the old Testament. So part of that is, is I'm going, yeah, uh, it is take heart. I am like, it's it's another hint, but and not to get ahead of ourselves, but there is another time at the end of this book that Jesus says this in, in Greek, it's ego a me, which is I am literally, but he says it one more time. And I think we need to hold on to that because it's going to be really crazy when we get to it, because it's another expression. Jesus saying I am would be an ex- expression of his power. Like I have dominion over these waters. I'm even yeah. walking on them. I've shut them down and I'm walking. I'm defying the laws of physics because I am king. Then there's another time that he does it showing something else about his kingship, which is really yeah. interesting. So I got to stop myself. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love I love everything they're saying. And, and even what points to it, too, is when Mark decides to say that they didn't understand. It's when they were utterly astounded yeah. at, you know, what he just did about calming the storm, walking on water, saying I am. It's like, OK, you've seen all this. You've got all the evidence, yet you're still astounded. Mm. Like you're still you still don't get it. You still are just, you know, and that's what he says for they did not understand about the loaves. And um, I, I want to get into that word here in just a second. But, Jackson, I, you had something pretty cool on this, right, that connected a little bit back to the Old Testament? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I love this idea of, like, um, he came to – he has that dominion over the uh, the storm and over the uh, water. But in the um, in Genesis 7 about Noah's Ark, the actual – the word in Hebrew that they use for when the ark is over the water is the word – and you can help me out with this, Matt, is halach. Um, Sounds good which, to me. All right. <laughs> um, but it uh, it actually means to, it walked or went. And it doesn't, you know, like the typically the word that you would associate with like a boat on water is like floating or moving or sailing. But it specifically uses the word walked. Mm. And it, I think the connection between these two stories is really cool because the ark kind of symbolizes the rescue of those eight um, in the ark. Um, over the chaos of the water mm. and here Jesus is walking on the water. So it almost seems like they see that and they think, Oh, he came to save us from this chaos and you know, the rest of the world. So I think that's a really cool little connection. And, and which watch of the night did Jesus come out? The, uh, oh, get out of watch here. of the night. And, uh, how oh, many days were they? Get out of here. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> nice. I don't know. I don't know. No. Yeah. I mean like that, I don't think we've seen a Noah reference yet. Yeah, I guess right. we should have connected that though. So th- then, then there's another thing fulfilling, you know, Old Testament archetypes and 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 heroes. It's that there's <laughs> God's heart to save, God's heart to yeah. to 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 redeem, because that's that's what ends up happening with Noah. Um, so yeah, right. really we cool. We talked about this a little bit before, Matt, but even another one, right, is that last time we saw one of the most clear references to Elijah, right? When he says, Hey, you feed them. Um, and, and we saw the same thing back in second Kings four, but if you jump just a, a chapter and a half, I think later, maybe two in the book of second Kings, we see the story about the ax head the that floats. Yeah. And, uh, again, this thing that's floating on water, that's not supposed to, um, you know, and it, and, and, and whether or not that's what Mark's pointing at, I'm not sure, but, um, with all that we've seen about him, and Elijah and, and the clear connection that the book of Mark has, I wouldn't be surprised if that's also another connection that Mark's just trying to say, Hey, look, it's not about Peter walking on water. Let me, let me show you what it's about. It's about this guy who was able to make something float. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so, okay. So we, well, I, I, oh, I think the one thing that stuck out to me the most about this. Oh, my bad. I you got it. Okay. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but it says they did not understand about the loaves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that that word in the Greek, you guys can look it up um, yourselves, but it's sinemi. Uh, it means just like to put together, to comprehend, like just, you know, just to understand um, in a basic sense. Like they didn't, they couldn't put the pieces together. But I love how the very next thing that we see is Jesus getting in the boat, crossing over, getting to Gennesaret. And it says, as soon as they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him. And, and that's the word epigenosco. And, and 
gnosis, right, is, is your mind, like understanding. This is the idea of to know deeply, like to be fully acquainted with. And so you've got the disciples who they don't even, they can't even put the pieces together. Hmm. But then you've got this crowd who is so humble that they recognize who Jesus is immediately. And so much so that they bring the sick people out that all they want to do is touch the fringe of his garments, which that we've seen recently, right? The mm-hmm. woman who touches the fringe of Jesus's garment, she knew her text. Mm. She knew that there's healing in the wings of Jesus. Check out the Bama podcast on that. I'm not sure which episode it is, but it's great. Um, but maybe this might even be the town she was from. We don't really get that, but maybe word about her healing carried over and people are just like, man, I recognize who this guy is. Yeah, I want to put, I want to just touch the fringe. But I, I, it's so funny how you've got the disciples who have seen so much more than these people, they can't understand. But then you've got these people who, um, you know, they 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 have this these soft hearts who, um, you know, they do recognize the power of Jesus. They do uh, understand who He is. Yeah, and I I think I wanted to. It's all fantastic. And we, we are nerding out hard. So anybody that's listening, like we have gotten really into original languages and the Old Testament and and, it, and it's fantastic and it's so cool. But, but okay, so so what? Who cares about all this? What does that tell us about Jesus the King, Jesus the Messiah? What What is this helping us understand um, that maybe we didn't before? Yeah. Well, for me, it's, it's, do I remember all the things that Jesus has done in my life? Um, because I think you can get so used to being around Jesus that it, he no longer seems miraculous or cool. Um, you know, and I think I get hard hearted. My heart gets, you know, hard that I forget things like the loaves in my life. And I start to doubt that Jesus can do anything like walk on water and rescue me from a storm. Yeah. Um, but Jesus has done so many things in my life. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, that I would forget about some of these. Um, but, but then there's the crowds who, Hey, let me just touch the corner. Let me just yep. touch that little thing. Let me get, let me get healed. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's actually that I, I can even see that more in the scripture with this idea of like, Jesus just walked on water. And if it, they really saw what we think they should have seen is that, wow, this is crazy. He's the Messiah. He came to save everyone, which, you know, their uh, training. They should have thought that perhaps, but, um, it says like, he just did a miracle, but it says for, they did not understand about the loaves. It's like, they're still in the past. Their mind is still focused on what just happened the day before that they missed what was happening right in front of them because they were still focused on the loaves. And even that idea of their hearts being hardened reminds me of the Pharaoh, um, whose heart was hardened. Um, you know, we saw how many times, how many different plagues it took for, uh, him to finally get it. And for him to finally, let the people mm-hmm. go. So there could be a connection there. Hmm. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this, this theme that's been going back. I mean, we, we've really been dealing with like the, the last few titles of our, of our podcast have been like the excluded and the excluders and the rejected and the rejecters. Sorry, we are running out of creative stuff and then compassion. <laughs> so I, I think what I'm seeing is that it's the needy people that see Jesus for who he is that mm. this kingdom is not with the role reversal. Most kingdoms, most um, even America is like that. The privileged people are the wealthy. They are the, mm. the best and the brightest, the smartest, the most successful. 
And uh, for us, we live in the, the DC area. Like if you're not top of your game in your field, in your job, in your school, you're nothing. If you're not first, you're last. And Jesus is reversing this, that the smartest people, the most educated people, the most uh, trained people, they like don't get it at all. And it's just the ones mm-hmm. that are broken. In fact, the disciples are, they see Jesus <laughs> and he acts out of compassion at their most needy. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when they're crying, yeah. crying out, but then their hearts are hardened. Why are their hearts hardened? I, I don't know, but I think there might be something about them trying to understand and comprehend something that's just that, like you, you don't need a degree in theology in order to right. understand <laughs> Jesus at his fullest. It is, it's the needy. You need to embrace your neediness yeah. that it is, that is greater. And I think for me, I still battle with that. Like I, I yeah. still, yeah. I want to be the best Christian better Christian than anybody else. I want to understand more than anyone else when it, and I want to stay as far away from being needy as I possibly can. And yet what I keep seeing over and over again is killing my heart, which is at my most needy is when I see Mm -hmm. Jesus and I see the kingdom and I can see him moving in compassion more than I ever had. Now, do we have time for me to add one more thing on that? We do have a couple minutes. Okay. And, and it's just, I mean, I think, I feel like what you just said links so incredibly well to what we're going to get into next week. So I won't go too deep into it, but when we look at verse 56 of chapter six, where the people lay the sick, it's in the marketplaces. And, uh, you know, this could just be something that Mark wanted to say, or, you know, again, I think we know that nothing is just written down without a reason in, in the scriptures, but this yeah. word is only used three times in the book of Mark. And one is here. One is just a few verses later in chapter 7, verse 4. And then one is another time that really refers back to chapter 7. So it's really just these two. Um, and what we see in the marketplace is two completely different things. It's the people who are top of their game, you know, don't have much of a need in chapter 7, which is the Pharisees who are in the marketplaces, right? And it's he sees the disciples in the marketplace and, you know, why don't you wash your hands? They're caught up in tradition. But then you've got these other people in the marketplace who they're caught up in in their need for Jesus and who Jesus really is. And again, I just think um, you've got these two people, same exact place, but they they see Jesus completely differently. Mm. Uh, You know, Mark's like, yo, let me take you to a spot and let me just show you the line in the room um, dividing the needy and the not needy. Yeah. Um, Reminds me of uh, when you talked about Legion. Uh, either last week or a couple weeks ago, you know, he he was by no means, you know, someone who had any knowledge of theology and scripture. But uh, the obvious connection is that he came back with four thousand people. So definitely yeah. can see that needy kind of seeing your desperation for Jesus is so much even greater than kind of growing up with all this uh, knowledge where I can kind of place myself in growing up in a church setting and. Uh, I can sort of start to feel like deserving of uh, Jesus in this path. Whereas, um, you know, these guys, it was presented to them, presented to them in their desperate need. So. Yeah. Well, good good stuff. I mean, I think, I, I I think that, and, and, and to, to bring this full circle for the most part, when we look at the, the story of Jesus walking on water um, in no way are we trying to downplay 
the the power and the majesty and the kingship of Jesus because it, it is it is a miracle. Jesus straight up defying the laws of physics and no one <laughs> but is this Jesus flexing? Is this Jesus just showing uh his disciples like you guys should have trusted me more. Why don't you get it? Why don't you get it? And what we're trying right. to do is kind of shift the perspective a little bit that yeah, it's a demonstration of power. And it's a little funny that he, he's almost like, okay, you're you're not making your way across. I'm going to beat you by walking across the water. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not it's not a, a race across. It is a it's a moment of compassion. And I think as yeah. we we delve into this, we see this being beaten over and over and over and over again. Why? Well, I think it's something to wrestle with that for for you to consider why is why is Mark organizing this with so much compassion being at the center. And I think we will right. see a ton more come in next week because I, I think a question you got to ask is, so their hearts were hardened. And I, Josh, you'd mentioned this. What, what was hardening their hearts that they couldn't understand? What, what was that thing? And I think yeah. we'll, we'll get into that a bit more next week because I think they're not alone with their hearts being hardened. I know my heart gets hardened by a lot of things, but I think maybe our religiousness gets uh get muddies the water a fair bit mm. so anyway all right well i think that's gonna do it for us today um so uh thank you for joining us on in the margins uh if you want to find more episodes more podcasts check us out at uh, www.nvca.academy uh, you'll find more videos you'll find more podcasts uh, more resources and whatnot so for me, myself, Matt Fisk, for Josh Lund, our very special guest, Jackson Gear. Thanks so much, and we'll check you next week. See you guys. Bye.